Hello and welcome to our monthly podcast series, In Conversation With. Hello and welcome to the Global Cosmetics News Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the latest skincare trends, but first, it's my pleasure to introduce our panellists, Dr. Shweta Rai, who is a consultant dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon, King's College Hospital London, Isa Laverhan, head of digital for Cosmetify, and Tisha Thompson on phone, who is global head of marketing and innovation at Pure, the Complexion Authority. Welcome, everybody. Hello. So (laughs) let's run through some of the latest skincare trends. Um, We've seen a lot of interesting developments this year, particularly, I guess, if we start off with sensitive skin. Isa, would you like to start off telling us a little bit about how the sensitive skin trend is developing and why? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, I think obviously people are more savvy about the kind of ingredients that go on their skin. So people are a lot more interested in what ingredients go in their skin. Obviously, there's been a huge trend in natural beauty and clean beauty, as people say. So they're trying to get away from using sort of toxic ingredients. So the thing with skin sensitivity is sort of people have been finding that people are using too many products with too many ingredients. So actually it's now coming back to stripping back and finding out what the natural pH balance of your skin is and your actual natural form of your skin to then be only using products that you need, especially when you've got sensitive skin. So actually sometimes using products can be worse than better for you. So it's stripping back. Would you like to add to that, Shreta? Yeah, so from a medical point of view, um, I'm glad the trend is going towards clean beauty, uh, as it's called in inverted commas, because sensitive skin we see a lot of in uh, kind of clinical medical practice. And um, a lot of patients who have a sensitive skin or eczema-prone skin or allergy-prone skin, in our book, the barrier of their skin or their you know outer skin cell they're not as strong as people who don't have sensitive skin. Therefore, if you've got more ingredients being put onto your skin, so various different chemicals, each chemical has a threshold on your skin as its kind of um, concentration before it becomes or causes an allergy. Everybody's skin is different, so that threshold is different, but the simpler the products can be, i.e. the less ingredients in a particular product and the less irritant ingredients, then the better it is for sensitive skin. However, I would like to say that certain skin products which sell themselves as clean beauty may not necessarily be totally clean and they're not necessarily natural. And you've got to remember that natural um, plants, you know, various things that grow in our gardens, chemotherapy agents or medicines are also derived Mm. from those plants. So you've got this trend towards natural beauty, but what people don't realize is that natural things can also be quite toxic. Mm -hmm. So it really does depend on the chemical involved and what your skin is likely to react to. And I think everyone is a personal judge for that. And are... The trends for the single ingredient beauty, for example, we've seen the ordinary inky list, etc. And also a lot of people using increased use of retinol after the studies revealed that it was the most effective anti-aging treatment. Is that contributing to um, sensitivity of skin? Is that causing people who may be self-dosing on several different, perhaps non-compatible ingredients at any one time? 
Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. Nowadays, the beauty industry or the cosmeceutical industry or the cosmetics industry is focusing on concentrated ingredients. And concentrated ingredients such as retinol, they are irritant to the skin and they can strip the top layer of your skin and allow it to be more permeable sometimes to external toxins, external allergens. Um, But yes, you're quite right. Retinol has been proven to be a good anti-aging substance and it is present in concentrated forms on the market, whereas it never used to be. And I'm not going to name any brands, but common brands on the high street are now using concentrated chemical products and selling them as cosmetic products. And they we do see uh, skin irritation and skin eczema as a result of uh, people using that. For example, uh, things like glycolic acid peels, uh, high-dose retinol or retinoic acid, um, all of these things uh, cause skin irritation. Tisha, is that why we're seeing a trend towards ingredients such as PHA, sort of gentler um, exfoliants or plant-based retinol, for example? I believe so. And and as a, a beauty brand uh, such as Pure created back in 2002, really since the beginning, we've essentially focused our brand on clean beauty uh, that essentially delivers skincare-infused products. And it's exciting for us because... Uh, we were clean before clean was really cool, if if you will, before it was essentially what we're seeing as, as the, the top trend today. And so for us, our goal is really to focus on uh, the benefits of the skin and improving it over time in a natural and effective way. And so when you talk about ingredients such as retinol or or single ingredients that we can get into in some other products that we, we create, we really do them in a unique way where we make sure that we do it in a way that's not harsh on the skin. For example, we do use retinol and some of our color cosmetics um, essentially to improve um, the skin over time, but we do it in a proprietary delivery system that actually releases it. It's time release throughout the day. So we, we too believe that essentially to really give those benefits to the skin, it's important to make sure that we, we take in effect um, what can the end result be to the skin and how can we ensure that using these really proven ingredients that do work, that we do it in a way that, that's healthy for the overall skin health. And it's the trend that we saw throughout 2018 for single ingredient skincare also feeding into the rise that we're seeing this year of bespoke skincare. People are used to picking and choosing and they want that to come in a single delivery. What do you think, Isa? Yeah, I, I think so, just because it's this, I'd say it's you sort of compare it to television. So obviously 40 odd years ago, we had the choice of four channels and now it's so fragmented. People kind of go off and do their own thing with sort of like TV channels. So I think beauty and skincare is that sense where people are now not just going to one sort of straight up ingredient or brand or product. They're actually now becoming more bespoke in terms of finding what's right for them. Also with different skin types, um, you've also got seasonal. So like obviously in the summer, your skin's slightly different and the different types of makeup you wear makes your skin slightly different. So people are really wanting to know what they're buying. So like, for instance, with our website, we've created a beauty glossary, which basically has 70, 80 different types of ingredients and different types of terms so people can really understand what they're buying. So whether something is talc-free, oil-free, petroleum-free, peg-free, people want to know all those different effects and how that impacts their skincare routine. So I think people are definitely interested in stripping back and only getting things that sort of work for them personally. 
Shreta, what do you think? What, do, you, do we see a rise in bespoke skincare because there's a greater understanding of skincare ingredients generally out there? Yeah, so there's a lot more open research now from the cosmeceutical market and from the cosmetic industry, which is a good thing, uh, that they are being more open about uh, what's in their uh, products. Now, that's really important for us because when we see reactions to certain creams uh, or reaction to people people think may be due to a certain cream, it's really important for us to be able to test them and, you know, whether they're actually allergic or whether they're irritated by something. And, you know, if if you've got less um, ingredients, there's less potential for that ingredient, unless you're allergic to it from the offset, uh, that that's going to cause a reaction on your skin. So I think people have realized this, that multiple different ingredients mixed together with parabens or with, mm. you know, other sulfates mm -hmm. um, are not good for their skin. However, then there's a whole nother kind of arena out there with pollution-free skincare, uh, which is going against really the uh, natural skincare or the clean skin market because these are barriers, sun protection creams, for example, they are barrier related, they're barrier effect creams. And uh, they have to have certain ingredients in them to keep them stable. So it's you know, it's all very well going for clean skincare, but it depends on what you're doing with that clean skincare. So if you're using it as sun protection, you're using it as a moisturizer, you're using it as anti-aging or anti-pollution, you're using it as a night cream. So it all those, because the ingredients that cause the effect are different, mm. the stability depends on what you mix it with. T-shirt, I mean, we've moved to, now, now we've conveniently moved on to barrier skincare. Let's talk a little bit about the emerging trend, um, blue light um, barriers. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, why that is a concern and why we're seeing products offering blue light protection? Essentially, we're living in a hyper-connected world where really our lifestyles are centered around our electronics. And I think uh, you know, just the sheer number of hours that we're spending in front of our screens and our smartphones and our tablets. And there is ultimately a, a lasting effect um, that um, we know is occurring in the skin. And so what we're really focused on um, with Pure, again, is ultimately addressing concerns for our consumers. And, and this is one that uh, we have identified um, through some of our research that there's just not a lot of options on the market today, but the trend is emerging and we wanted to be innovative and and come uh, be one of the first brands at the forefront to bring a blue light protecting um, color skincare line that really essentially brings awareness to this. Uh, I, I think a lot of consumers, um, they acknowledge and understand how much time they're spending, but I don't think they truly understand or are fully educated today on what that amount of time in front of their screens is actually doing to their skin. Shweta, do you want to talk us through what it is doing to our skin? Is the evidence there that it's causing damage? Sure. So first of all, let's uh, talk about what is blue light. So blue light is a part of uh, visible light. It's called um, high energy, it's a HEV, high energy visible light. And uh, it is a portion of what we receive through the sun 
anyway. So we also have uh, UVA, UVB, UC, UVC. We have infrared rays and visible light uh, of which HEV is a part, which is the blue light, is, accounts for 40% of our sun exposure. So I think first thing to understand without thinking about screens or anything is that we are actually, and we always have been getting, blue light through visible light because there is no way unless you wear you know a full visible light blocking sunscreen which is going to make you really look quite opaque uh, that you are going to be able to block visible light so that's putting things into perspective and when you now come on to uh, what the blue light from the screens is doing to you now yes there is some evidence and emerging evidence it's not you know, fully out there what it's doing, but it is uh, penetrating our skin to the depth of what UVA could penetrate, if not more. So it's causing an aging of your skin by collagen breakdown. Uh, there are multiple other things, such as pollution, etc., etc., and there's so many other things which can cause this too. But yes, uh, HEV has been shown to do this. And it's not clear, though, this blue light, is it directly only from us using our phones and computer screens. Obviously, we are more addicted to our screens than we ever were. So therefore, it's probably an additional form of blue light exposure that we probably weren't getting, which was just from the, the sun rays. But there are ways of blocking uh, that light from our devices just by screen protection. And on our phones, most of those have uh, a yellow light mode uh, rather than a blue light mode. So there are other ways of physical barriers that we can use to protect our skin from HEV or blue light. Hi, sir. Are you seeing increased interest in this category? Yes, we've actually, um, we work with a lot of retail partners and we've got quite a few products um, with blue light and we've seen the searches for those on our website going up. So there is kind of a little bit more interest than there was. I think that you do have to consider things like age and demographics with blue light because obviously if you think about our parents' generation, perhaps even my generation we do use these screens but not as much as you'd say so millennials or gen z so i think an education piece is really really needed because obviously we're looking at effects now 10 20 years but then what if you're using these screens and everything 50 60 70 years down the line that could really impact in terms of aging and and even like more serious kind of um, sort of issues in terms of skincare so I think an education piece is really needed when it comes to beauty brands and I think social media and platforms like that should also kind of collaborate with beauty brands to kind of make it aware like a, a big campaign and movement around just being careful about not using it prevention is better than cure but obviously there are products out there that are good for you as well. Tisha, what would you say to the sceptics out there? I mean, we've had products that are sort of purport to protect us from our screens before. At the time, it was electromagnetic waves. What would you say to people that say the evidence isn't there? I think that the studies are coming. I think we're starting to see um, early on um, the, the evidence. Um, I think the reality is people are not going to walk away from the devices we are mm -hmm. in a tech uh, focused world. I do think that, um, you know, continuing and furthering the education um, over time will just um, help consumers make the, the rational decision themselves. Um, you know, you have, uh, you know, things like the devices now telling you how much screen time you have so that you can make the, you know, educated choice to, to, you know, cut back or pull back. I think, will people do that if they don't understand what does, mm. what am I pulling back from, you know? And so could it be quality of life? Could it be health in my skin? 
Um, so I think I agree. I think that more education to the consumer on essentially what um, that additional screen time is doing to their skin with skincare beauty brands is important. And so for us at Pure, our focus really was to just continue to drive awareness and, and build the conversation, be a part of of the discussion and do it in a unique and, and trendy way, a way that resonates with the the audience in which may be uh, the most affected by it. And, and it's really that millennial generation or that Gen Z generation that are really living their lives in front of these screens. And so that's our focus really is, is to build that and be a part of that education process. Can I just add to, to that? So we've been talking about uh, the effects of blue light on screens now um, and its effect on aging. Uh, what blue light is very well known to do before people go to sleep is cause them to have a disturbed uh, sleep pattern. And some people have sleeplessness or insomnia as a result of using their phones, particularly before going to bed. And it's commonly advised uh, not to have uh, any screen time at least an hour before you go to bed. And we all know regardless of what blue light's being emitted from uh, your device, that if you have lack of sleep, you, your body's not uh, resting. You are likely to look more stressed, tired, um, weathered, haggard if not, um, as a result of lack of sleep. So I think the evidence for lack of sleep is definitely out there, um, whereas for skin, it is a direct effects on skin. We don't fully know if it's due to the social impact mm. of the blue light in itself on our lifestyle, sleep being one of them, anxiety, stress being uh, driven by us being on our phone, phones all the time, constantly responsive mm. uh, to the world, or whether it's directly affecting our skin as a result of that blue light. I think that's where the research uh, needs to be teased out. Definitely. And um, just to add to that, I think obviously when you see the celebrities and how they look so young and anti-aging you know, anti secrets, and a lot of them are like, I get lots of sleep, I drink lots of water. And, you know, beauty products and beauty industry is great, but I think back to basics is prevention's better than cure. Mm -hmm. So there is an education piece about sort of the things not to do and the sort of the natural organic ways to do them before moving on to skincare and products because it's, mm -hmm. yeah, essentially trying to solve the problem. Let's move on to talk a little bit about dermacare because there's been quite a rise in dermatological brands, doctor brands, medical grade products coming out. Shweta, you're a perfect person to talk to us about this. How do you see them as different when they're available in shops and they're on the counter cosmetic products? Are, can they claim to work better than others? As an industry which is regulated in the same way, so a cosmetic is a cosmetic and it has it is only allowed to have certain amount of concentration uh, of a certain substance. So unless there are changes in the regulation to that, I believe cosmetics cannot be classified as drugs, so they can't be uh, too concentrated uh, to cause kinds of you know, severe effects on people's skin. But what is out there and which what isn't regulated is internet buying of cosmetics. And really anyone and anyone can sell, everyone and anyone rather can sell their cosmetic brand purely online. And that is an unregulated market. So what's in those creams, what's in certain creams which aren't being sold in our pharmacies claiming to be a certain thing, what actually is in there 
I mean, I think that's where the regulation is needed. And coming back to your point for doctor brands, I think doctor brands probably add credibility to a particular uh, cream or a cosmetic, but we're regulated in the same way, uh, whether we're producing a cosmetic or we're producing a drug. And obviously, if something's going to be higher concentration, then it needs to be classified as a drug. Mm. And that requires phase one, two, three trials. So I think it's at the, yes, you're right, there are lots more concentrated things out there because we understand more about ingredients. Uh, but what the good side of this is there are lots of concentrated uh, antioxidant serum out there as well. It doesn't suit everybody. Mm. There's more concentrated retinol out there. Mm. It doesn't suit everybody. So it is really about picking and choosing what's good for you and your skin. Tisha, is it sort of almost... Um a direct opposite of clean beauty, that on the one hand we've got a growth in Dr. Brown's dermatological brands and on the other, the clean beauty, I don't want any of this in it, I don't want any of that in it. What do you think? Do you think the two are compatible? I think it can be. I think essentially what consumers are really looking for is is really genuine, honest, um, credible brands, um, brands that really, whether you're clean or 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 not, um, I think consumers really want brands to be honest in that fact. So if something is featured in your products that may not be the best, I think it's important for a brand to not call themselves a clean beauty or take in, uh, make a stake in some of these areas. And we have seen brands do that. We have seen brands not be fully transparent and fully honest with the consumer to a certain degree about what's in their products. And I think that essentially is what the consumer wants when they, when they look at clean and when they look at the products that they're uh, searching for. They, they want transparency and they want genuine um, honesty, whether that's from a, a doctor-based brand or, or a, a clean beauty brand such as Pure. And so, like I mentioned before, um, really our focus has been really from the beginning um, just being a clean, good-for-you-based um, beauty brand that um, has never really formulated with a lot of these ingredients that um, you see on the market today. You know, talc is a, is a conversation again. And, and, you know, we don't use talc and have never used talc. And there's quite a few beauty brands now reformulating products to remove these sorts of ingredients and, and gluten. And, and so I think it's it's just being transparent from the beginning. And I think, you know, whatever side uh, uh, that you sit on, I think that's really ultimately how you get and earn the consumer's trust. Let's move to targeting products. So, for example, we've seen a rise of, of neck products, um, you know, for the famous Jack, which is caused by looking down at your phone, another phone-related one. Masks, for example, 3D printed masks. Isa, what do you find is, uh, from a category point of view, is, is becoming the most popular? Are people looking for more targeted products or multifunctional? What's the... I worked for an aesthetic um uh, sort of Harley Street uh, doctor actually for a couple of years and the huge reason people were coming were for um, the neck the, the sort of tech neck in terms of sort of getting rid of it with a fat cell um, machine so I think targeted areas are becoming a thing but at the same time what what we said back in the beginning where it was too, about too many ingredients too many products people are trying to strip back so I think it's about going, going back to basics and using products um, that do the simple things and then targeted I think it's an age thing obviously older women are probably going to want to target areas and the younger are going to be a little bit more they want one size fits all type products that are really easy to use. Tisha do you have anything to add are you, are you finding multifunctional more popular or targeted? 
I, I think it's definitely streamlining. I think for sure that um, consumers are really going to be hyper focused on a specific concern, and that's the concern that they they want to remedy, and they want to remedy it really quickly. Um, so I, I think that um, you will continue to see that trend of just really overall streamlining um, the ingredients within your products. I don't think personally, and looking at how the consumer shopping it. Um, today, especially for our brands, um, I, I don't find that they're buying less products. I think that they, they may have a vitamin C serum and then they may, you know, have a serum that has hyaluronic acid and then they may have their their toner. And so I think that they are adding more products into their routine, but I think they're streamlining um, what a specific product um, targets. And I think it's because, you know, they want immediate results. And, and, and I, you know, I think it's it's essentially they feel it maybe have more concentration or be uh, more potent than if they have a, a serum that says, oh, I'm going to solve all of your problems in one. Um, and then when they don't see those results, um, which has been a trend, um, you know, to have all of these concerns all targeted in one. Um, and, and if they don't find that the item works, I think that that's kind of steered a lot of of um, that streamlined focus. So really a targeted approach. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're seeing today. Shweta, are you seeing new and different concerns coming through or is it the same same treatments that have always... So when I uh, discuss skincare uh, with my patients, uh, I actually personally always advise to keep their skincare regimen really simple. So I don't actually ever recommend more than three, maximum four products, even for people who've got breakouts and acne and eczema, particularly with eczema. So I always recommend a cleanser. I recommend a sunscreen. I recommend a separate night cream. And you can have a separate eye cream. Now, if you're going to use serums on top of that, then, you know, the serums or the exfoliators or masks, they're recommended maybe you know, once, twice a week max, and mostly uh, leaving your skin to have a bit of a break between mm. applying these extra things. So I think people, because there are more allergens out there, because there is more allergy out there, um, and because people's skin, due to whatever reason, people are taking care of their skin more, they're noticing more mm. irritation. And because there are concentrated products out there now, I think people are stripping back because of the effects that they've noticed of these products on their skin. Um, And so I'm a big favor of single ingredient uh, products, but not every cream can be a single ingredient. Mm. Or is it effective as a single ingredient? What do we see trending next or becoming a bigger trend that's currently emerging I said, you want to start us off? Mm. Um, From a cosmetic point of view, I think it's products with SPF, products that, um, pollution as well, a huge thing that people are kind of complaining about and talking about so that protects you against um, sort of pollution. And I don't really think natural or clean beauty is going anywhere anytime soon. So um, we do a trend report um, within our business every month. So we're kind of on top of what's going on and what's happening. Look through magazines and reports and stats and research. And every single month there's some sort of of clean beauty, natural beauty. So I I don't think that's going away anytime soon. I know like we've been talking about it for the last 18 months, but, you know, people are, as I said, people are becoming really savvy. They're wanting to know more about what's going on their skin. They're a little bit more 
more also about the environment. So it's not just in terms of clean beauty and natural beauty about what's going to your skin, but also what how what effects it has on the environment. So plastic free is a huge one. Packaging free um, is a huge one. So I think people conscious beauty actually is kind of going from clean beauty and natural beauty to conscious beauty. Um, aside from that, I really I can't really I don't n- notice any huge other ones. I think that's just going to be an ongoing one. Tisha, do you want to add to that? So I think um, the trends that we're seeing specifically in the U.S. for sure is plant-based ingredients are are on the rise. I think um, you will continue to see natural and clean um, in a bigger way from brands that were not there before um, that are going to reformulate and get in the game. I think that you will see conscious beauty again as noted. I absolutely agree with that. I think you're also going to see a big trend of CBD. Um, that is, is oh, yes. one that is, is quickly on the rise. And, um, and, and I don't know many that aren't... Um, somewhere in some lab trying to figure out how they can get some products on on the market. So this is another one that's extremely hot and and on the rise as well. And if you'd like to check out our entire podcast on CBD, just scroll down. (laughs) Uh, Shreta, do you want to add what do you see trending? Sure. So in the kind of dermatology, dermatology, surgery world, I see trending you know, all the things that uh, these guys have said uh, correctly. Um, and as you know, Tisha's pointed out, veganism is a big oh, yes. trend. So there are lots of vegan products uh, out there uh, now. And uh, I, I'm not sure as to the effectiveness of, of them, and whether people are buying them for the effect or just for the fact that they're vegan. Um, it remains to be seen. But what I do see a lot of out there is a lot of face masks. So infused masks out there. Uh, also light-based, and we were talking about light earlier, but light-based masks, masks uh, which are anti-redness, anti-photo damage for sensitive skin as a, you're not applying something, but these devices are using things like low-level light, uh, LED technology, other forms of light concentrated onto people's skin targeting certain concerns that they may have. So I think, you know, if you're thinking about it from what is actually your skin type, I think what I'd like to see people thinking about is is this, that what is your skin type? And for that, often you have to go to a specialist and often you have to have your skin type assessed and you have Absolutely. to, you have to be diagnosed to have, okay, so you know, for from a person who looks at skin all the time, do you have oily skin? Do you have combination skin? Do you have acne prone skin? Do you have eczema prone skin? Get a diagnosis, see what actually is the problem, and then personalize your skincare mm. according to what your problem is. And there are far, I mean, I, I trained partly um, in the US and uh, mostly in the UK. And what I see, the difference is that people in the United States are far more savvy about going to a dermatologist mm. and getting a skincare consult and having routine skincare consults rather than just going out self-diagnosing exactly yeah going to boots or superdrug or selfridges mm. or harvey nicks and buying a cream because if you think about it medically you'd never give someone a treatment without having mm. a diagnosis so why don't you go and get your skin checked by somebody and then they can tailor make skincare regimen for you by telling you the ingredients that could be good for your skin and you can go find out that way rather than wasting money on a whole load of products. And I'm not being biased to any particular company out there. But if your skin type doesn't suit the vegan brands, 
you're not going to suit it, regardless of whether you would like to be a conscious skincare person um, or not. And what do we think about diagnosis through some of the very many tools that have been developed um, with the advent of new technology? Do we think that it's possible now to diagnose online, say, for example, via AR. There's been a lot of development in that area. Will we see a rise in bespoke skincare based on that? Personally, I think it's a marketing gimmick. I think, you know, they only do so much. And I, especially if you've got problem skin, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think if you've got if you've got normal skin or combination skin, you know, there might be some tools or some, you know, online advice that can help you. But I think if you suffer from any type of problem skin, whether it's acne, eczema, you, sh you know, I would advise for you to have some sort of consultation that and then get a bespoke um, sort of treatment of what you should have because otherwise you're throwing different types of products on your face and actually they may be doing worse than doing good. Um, on the point of what you were saying about vegan beauty, we actually conducted a research um, last month actually with 2,000 um, consumers and 56% of people are buying vegan products and actually 39% of those aren't even vegan. Mm -hmm. So it yeah. is becoming a massive big thing. Absolutely. But I totally agree with what you're saying. It's great that people are trying to be more conscious, but at the same time, they need to make sure that that conscious buying um, is works with their skin type. Absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of the, you know, in, in the cosmetic world, you know, there needs to be more solid research into these products and whether they are actually doing anything to your skin other than just moisturizing it or making you feel good. Mm. And a lot of them, is, you know, you know, not being particular to any brand, a lot of them are feel-good uh, skin creams. And you're paying a lot of money for feel-good skin creams, which may not be actually addressing your problem. And it is an issue that people need to um, think about. Tisha, what do you think? Uh, is there is there a useful site to online diagnostics or should people be consulting a professional? I, I absolutely still believe in, um, in consulting professional and, and, and seeing whether it's an esthetician or a dermatologist um, so that you do have a knowledge on your skin type and, and what's best for your specific skin so that you are personalizing your routine. I think personalization is key. I think we do it with all other areas of our health and, and you find a lot of consumers. We, we, we tend to just be rash on, on how we treat our skin and it's, it's our biggest organ of our body and it's, it's extremely important that we take care of it. And so I do think that personalizing that will make you a smarter consumer. And I think that then you can, and, you know, approach it in a targeted way so that you're getting the benefits as a consumer that you, sh you desire. One thing that, uh, you know, technology is really good with imagery and uh, you can take photographs, but we all know, uh, depending on the phones we have or depending on the cameras we have, the images that come out are quite different. And it depends on the lighting you're in, so many different factors which can make your skin which is your skin on a different day, look different in a photograph. And when we examine people's skin, we examine not only by visualizing, but we feel. And we can, so there's inspection, then there's the palpation part of a skin care consult. And you cannot tell oiliness of someone's skin if they've got makeup on in a mm. photograph without taking off their makeup, feeling their skin and looking at what's on underneath. So therefore, by its very concept, the uh, the apps or, you know, digital things that are out there is very much dependent on the quality of the image mm. and what a person is wearing in that mm. uh, in that image. So those things need to be taken into account in, in any form of digital diagnosis. 
Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Isa. Thank you, Shweta. And thank you, Tisha. And thank you to our audience for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.